0: From red to black, I'm Joe. This is Daniel. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Black and Blue.
1: Yep, so- Joe, this was uh, originally aired on NBC on January 20th, 1984 on NBC. It was directed by Chris Minol. The stories by Tom Fontana. As always, the creator is Paul Atanasio. And the teleplay is by one of our favorites, James yashimura um, a brief uh, description. Things began to heat up between Pendleton and G over the alleged police brutality case. One of the suspects is an ex-lover of case. Bolander meets a, a waitress who encourages through his cello playing. Munch's girlfriend, he has an on-again, off, on, off-again relationship with her When and is less than enthusiastic when he supplies her with the new fish Frank in the box gets the confession she is looking for unfortunately the suspect is anything but guilty of that crime
0: yeah this is like the the proverbial yin and the yang of homicide episodes in that like you have this really intense uh, and um, really serious storyline. That is like buttressed against two of the more bizarre, weird storylines they've had so far. Um, and then it all kind of cr- comes to, again, with a uh, figurative and I think literal crescendo at the end. Um, this, is, this is a really fun one. Uh, and I think really, uh, compared to everything else we've seen so far in season two, really kind of captures all of the magic of Homicide.
1: Um, I, I agree with that statement. Yeah,
0: definitely. And so this was this is season two, episode three. Uh, and it's, again, like so different from everything that we've seen. Even in, in season one, I think in this episode, it feels like the writers really got a hold on what assets they had and how to really manipulate them in a way that they can do some really crazy stuff. Yeah, agree. So they kind of like, um, you start to see... The beginning characteristics that would be, like later kind of define them as the series went on, these characters. You start to see those come out a little bit more. I so, mean, this, this is like a aha, uh-huh,
1: a turning point for the writers, the creators, probably the actors, where it's like, whoa, this is what we've got.
0: Yeah. And you know, and also, there are some great assets up from the show who are almost non existent in this episode. John Polito and I know a little bit and we can probably talk about that as it as it becomes more apparent in the story. I know there's a little background to his character and to his relationship with the show that maybe caused uh, some of him kind of not being written out of episodes, but maybe not uh, given as media of a part as some of these other actors. He's never he's never the primary. Yeah, yeah. Um, Meldrick Lewis, I don't think, he's in a couple shots in the background. Never talks. Throwing a football a little bit in this episode, but yeah, it doesn't do anything. Um, and I would say even, and we can, maybe we'll dive into the episode, but Kay Howard in this episode is like very atypical Kay Howard, uh, like part for her storyline. But, um, all right, well, I guess we'll, we'll start, uh, in, as we would in the beginning, uh, where Frank is... So this the first, the cold open to this episode was pretty long. It was three and a half minutes. And it was comprised of like two scenes. The first being all the cops, all the beat police officers showing up with their guns.
1: Right, so they can check. Yeah.
0: And so this was like obviously the hangover or the, the end of the story from the last episode, which was we're going to question all these cops. Right. G was against it. Frank was for it. Yeah, you know who won. And Frank said, "Well, then screw you. I'm going over your
1: head." So he must have.
0: Yeah, which is another thing I guess we'll talk about in this episode. Is like, what is G's? What is his perspective on this? Why is he like holding so tightly to? He seems to be
1: very dug in one way, and Frank seems to be very dug in another way. But Frank's way makes more sense, right? G really doesn't have anything. To go on, other than his love for his fellow policemen. Yeah, that's right. all I can get out of it.
0: Yeah, they give like a little glimmer of justification later in the episode, but I feel like it didn't do enough to like connect all the dots for me. For not only why he's like so unwilling to see it Pendleton's way, but why he's so angry about it. Yeah, like I was looking for a little bit more. Well, I
1: think I have. Speaking of angry, I have down that in that for opening montage. Where Frank is interviewing some of these people, he is insane, yeah, he talk about angry, he's slamming, yelling, throwing, I mean he is just he's crazy, yeah, he's really out of it, and you've never seen him that crazy, yeah, so it's very emotional for him
0: yeah he he has such a strong type that they really like set out with that character being kind of like a lone wolf a perfectionist, almost like mystically good at his job. And now we see like the a total different Frank Pembleton. And he's he's talking to cops. Right. Too. He's talking yeah. to police officers. Yeah. And he's all in their face and he's looking at him at weird angles and stuff. Um so I know we've we say this I probably say mm. this like every other episode, but if you had never seen this show before and you turned into this the first time one, you have no idea what case they're talking about. No, no. And it starts... But I thought that the way in that cold open, the first shot of all the officers just kind of standing on line with their weapons, um, and they had the radio on in the background...
1: Giving you the details of what happened.
0: Yeah, I thought that was, like, so clever. It was Because right. it would... Right. It's good shorthand. It's all exposition. You kind of get an idea of what's right. going on. Without here. them
1: shoving it down your throat. Yeah, yeah. Or someone having to stand there explaining...
0: Last week on the side. <laughs> right, right. Um, so that's that was the first three and a half minutes, um, and there's that. Um, I almost like saw whispers of the Godfather in Giordello going to Frank and saying, uh, "These aren't your regular uh, suspects that you talk into the box. They have dignity. Hmm. They're familia, capiche? Like." You know that I because like the Godfather that's of course like the driving the driving yes. theme of that is family, family. first and in this uh, instance gee you know the talking about family in Italian I don't know that's that it's the Olive Garden or the Godfather that's all i ever think of
1: and that, and I think he was doing that to try to appeal to a certain uh, part of Frank's personality yeah. see if that would work like that part of
0: the detective
1: cop life. Yeah. We're a family, you know? Yeah.
0: So you wanted him to like tone it down? Or did, did he, was he saying like. Oh, I think he wanted him to tone it down. Yeah. I do. Not like, but not drop it completely. No, but but like, look at other possibilities. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, a little bit later in the episode, the, the next instance that we catch up with Frank um, is when Kay Howard and Beau Feltner are at the bar. And we just see the two of them. And then uh, uh, Frank walks in, and then we see who they're sitting with. And and it's a who's who of who we just screamed at in the opening. Yeah, it's all the people who are being interrogated, all the people who are there for that crime. And it's weird how
1: Kay doesn't even get it. Like, come on, sit down. Sit down. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I just, like, I was in their face for... 10, 15 minutes screaming at me.
0: That is like, again, it's such an atypical episode for Kay here where it's like she's... <clears throat> the way that this story is being told to us, I mean, I could see where she wouldn't connect the dots, but to us, she's fraternizing with murderers. Right? That's what I
1: thought. Yeah. That's what I thought. I'm like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Why are you with suspects?
0: But I guess in, in her mind, they're friends and in a case, one case, a former lover that she's just out with. Having a couple of beers at work, or after work. Um, and uh, Frank won't do it. Frank right. refuses, turns around, and leaves. Um, so then... I i mean, I want to kind of follow the Frank storyline. Yeah, do that. But I feel like, I feel like that storyline also intertwines with some of... With, uh, like the Bayliss and Kay are going out in the neighborhood, and they're just trying to canvass the area, looking for any information. Right, right. And... What they come up with there, I guess they get no usable uh, information. At least immediately, it would appear. I, I thought it was almost comical
1: how the women that they spoke to just shut them down so crudely, rudely. Yeah. And the same way, they wanted nothing to do with them.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's in that shot. There's like it's a quick montage of them just opening up, trying to get any any information they can. And they're getting shot down. Every person they talk to is a woman. Correct. They don't talk to any men. And, yeah, all of them are, like, are just throwing it right back at them. And, uh, I mean, justifiably mm-hmm. so. I mean, they're talking to cops. The cops are there trying to figure out what happened. And it's apparent to everyone in the neighborhood. Well, uh, what happened is, it. yeah, a cop shot a kid. So what are you here talking to me for? Right. Um, and, it, you know, we're, we're kind of in this... The way the story is told to us, we're sort of... We, we we know, or we think we know, because Frank's instinct is going that way, and why would we not trust Frank's instinct? Right, right. It's so strange. And maybe that's... If I went back and I thought about the episode before this where the murder happens, where Cox gets killed, maybe there's something they do that really like tips us off strongly, that it's these cops. But, you know, like they can't get their story straight. And in, in the episode, I wrote down... Um, Frank says instead of saying that they're yeah. lying to him, he uh, he says I've heard so many variations of the truth. Wow, which is like I can catch that line. Yeah, Good line. Yeah, it's a telling. You know something is up here. So I guess it's that that we we kind of understand like yeah this is this is all BS. They, yeah, a cop killed a kid. Now the cops are asking people for information on what happened. Um, so. Uh, in, in that scene, though, uh, it starts with chaos and Bayless. Like, what's up with Frank? What's going on? So she's... Her detective instincts are... Poor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: why she doesn't know what's going on is beyond me. Yeah. Yeah, they don't make her to look as smart as she is in this episode. Yeah. It, it's it's not... Yeah, it's... It, it was It was not written so that her actions were consistent... But the way she usually is. Right. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, and in an episode, like we were saying before, where all these characters, I feel, are so, you know, really, like, the, they've captured the thesis of who the who Frank Pendleton is in this episode. Yeah. And even Munch, and to a degree, Bolander. Like, they really, like, hit a strong note with them. It's so strange to see Kay Howard kind of, like, written not like you would expect, Kay. agree. But, um, so, uh... Yeah, so what they're doing, I I wrote down. It's kind of insulting that they're even knocking on these people's door and bothering them. Against that, the next scene after that is where Frank is in G's office with all these other, yeah, all these other characters who we don't, I don't know what their names are, but I know they're dressed up nice. They're brass. Yeah, they're they're probably very important police officers. And um, uh, you know the real thing that I took away there again to kind of touch on what we already spoke about a little bit, but I think it's worth exploring a little bit more is G's anger towards Frank. Really upset over Frank's suggestion
1: that they take lie detector tests. I mean, really upset. Yeah. Like, beyond reason, almost. Yeah. And again, it seems to me... What I get out of this, G's trying to protect the family, and he feels Frank isn't doing enough ...to protect the family. That's all I could really get out of it.
0: When he says the thing about the day that he became a cop... ...the next day Martin Luther King was shot... ...and he had to pick a side. A side, right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I, I guess, kind of speaks to... Uh, ...one, like, politi- like politically and professionally, right? If And also the race angle of, like... ...well, if people in the city are upset about the murder of Dr. Martin Luther King... He as a black man has to behave a certain way, even and him as a police officer has to behave a certain way, and I, like I, I don't understand what he's trying. How that ties in to what? Frank's yeah, situation I, I, I is. don't either. Yeah, because it's not a race thing, but it is a cop thing. Yeah,
1: but yeah. I don't clearly understand that either.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's where they like get the closest to kind of explaining that aggression that he has. But to me, it's just like, I need like another two dots to connect before I re- that really kind of came through. But before
1: we says to him which side are you want they show Frank and Kay on the roof. Um, and again, she's like, why do you want the lie detector? Um, she, she lets him know she had an affair. Which is also not like her
0: <laughs> yeah. maybe
1: to have an affair with a married guy. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm
0: wrong, but that's not her. Yeah, I don't wanna like I don't wanna uh, write Kay off as like an asexual human being <laughs> or I don't wanna write her off as like someone who doesn't have like a wild side to her. But the way that I know Kay Howard, this just seems like an angle that they never really like explored with her, I guess. So, to have it crop up so strongly in one episode, I guess there was this has happened once or twice before, too. Like when she first gets into the relationship with uh, Danvers and when she's talking to that psychiatrist or whatever, right? And she's kind of like talking about her like life outside of work yes. or whatever. Uh, those are maybe the only two times where they do that. But she is like a great astute again kind of almost becomes like a mystical mystically good police officer and she tells you later on how he would call his wife in
1: front of her i mean the first time he did that the k howard i know would have been like i'm out of here (laughs) yeah right but she put up with it yeah now she gets it Makes no sense.
0: Yeah, and I don't... Again, I don't mean to like... I don't want to ascribe anything to her like... Oh, because she's a great cop, she can't have like a crazy... You right. know, whatever. That... I don't think one adds up to the other. But it's just so different for this character. It's something to... That they... Again, they kind of bring up maybe once or twice now and then just totally drop. Um, and it doesn't feel like... Like, hey... And again, in this in this specific instance, that person we think is a bad guy right so having her so closely related to someone who's shooting kids is crazy that right. feels feels weird um so yeah that was that was a great scene up on the roof there um and
1: then and by the way he kisses her when they're done yeah. what what did you make out of that i don't know that was was it that he was just genuinely pleased she was honest with him that's what i got out of it yeah maybe like thank you For not BSing me, like being straight with me. Yeah. I love you in that way. Like, you were honest with me. That's what I got out of it. Yeah, yeah. But that was a little odd as well, because Frank doesn't do that. In the
0: context of the scene, yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, Yeah, well then, uh, so one of the characters that we had met previously when Bayless and Kay were canvassing the area comes back in, and it's Gale. Uh, this woman, because, Leo, me, right,
1: right, right. The, the, you're talking about the gardener, right?
0: Yeah, right. So she comes back and she has some information, and explains it by saying like she sees the anger in the neighborhood and thinks that something bad is going to happen, and she's probably right. Uh, you know, again, that's kind of touching on what G touched on that you know the tensions are boiling over to a riot level or whatever. So she comes and she offers some information.
1: Which is basically that her grandson, Lane St- Staley, mm-hmm. was was there. That,
0: Lane Staley, by the way, for astute uh, listeners of our show and of Homicide, and also of grunge music, would know. That is the 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 name of the lead singer of the band, Allison Chains, is Lane Staley. I knew that was a thing. Interesting that they, trivia thing. Yeah, I knew they started doing that in the show. They started tying in musician names. But that's uh, where that name's from. Interesting. Anyway. But you were saying, as before... So, so, yeah.
1: So, so anyway, they bring him in and he supposedly was there um, and and understands. In between that scene is when uh, she talks to... Kay talks to the guy who's the suspect and says, you know, used to call your wife. That, that whole scene happens. Which, again, just like, going back to what I said before, it's the K I know wouldn't put up with that
0: crap. Yeah, right, right. Um, well, I guess, should we talk about Lane? Yeah, let's stayed. do it. Lane has this um, uh, history with C.C. C. Cox, the person who was killed. Right. And uh, he, this information about him is just that he was there when the killing happened. Uh, the police haven't talked to him yet. We 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 assume, and uh, G sort of clamps down on this as like great. This is the lead that we need. This is the break that gets f- freeze all the cops from suspicion. And uh, in I guess uh, Tim Bayless is talking to him first. Frank goes in, kind of huh. talks to him in the uh, good cop way. In, yeah, right, and then. To, like reverts back to beginning of episode craziness in his interrogation technique. He throws out Bayless. He, he he really, he's...
1: It's scary how crazy he is. Yeah.
0: And he brings up that race angle where he's like, you told me one thing and you told my partner another. Like, why are you lying to me? And the reason that I came, got into this position was because, uh, you know, 15 years ago you would have been beaten up by white cops on the scene. In the paddy
1: wagon, right.
0: Right, and and now I'm here, like, why are you treating me like this? And so it kind of appeals to this, like, like strange, like, personal... Like, he's going for something that is so emotional rather than talking about this murder now. He's, like, building some kind of connection with the guy. Emotional is the key word. Yeah. Yeah, and so he... This kind of long procedure... And this is a, one of the longer scenes we've seen from the show so far is that scene where he's questioning him um, and yeah he places the moral weight of the murder on Lane and ultimately gets a confession and by the way
1: the sweat coming from Andre Brower two times they zoom in he is just dripping with emotional sweat meanwhile while um, Lane is Crying, so you have this just uh, uh, emotional outburst from two different people. One is sweating, one's crying. I mean, it's it's at a fever pitch. Yeah, yeah. And Frank knows just what buttons to push.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, th- this is like classic homicide. Like this is what that show does. What this show does that is worth podcasting about. Uh, it's so intense. It's so well done. I don't think you can find very many actors that can reach that level that Andre Brower does. And uh, something that I think I will repeat through every ep- almost every episode we do of this, where the character, uh, the actor that they get to play, Lane Staley, what an amazing job he does right. to be That's able to like right. keep up with that in the right. scene. These are like long takes <laughs> they're doing and he's there for all of it. You're um, right. Here's Frank
1: Dune tour de force this guy has to react to it and does a. I mean, if his reaction isn't the right one, there's no scene. It's like yeah. a wrestling match. Yeah. He's got to sell the way Frank is going, and he does. He does a beautiful job. He yeah. gets so. You're upset for the guy. Yeah. And meanwhile, Frank is just crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so intense. Uh, you and it—it it draws you in so much watching it. Um, it's—I think it's uh, pretty irresistible. Uh, that scene—that it is—and undeniably good. Um, and yeah, so he gets a confession, gets what G was looking for, does the the devil's work, and in a—he gets it in a way that we all know. Lane Staley is not responsible for this character's murder. Right, and and as
1: Frank says later. Was it really any different? Than putting the guy in the paddy wagon, or in the cell and beating the crap out of him, which, by the way, fast forward to 2018, is still going on, right? Unfortunately, but yeah, I mean, he just did it in an emotional way. He didn't have to use his fists or a gun or the back of a truck. He did. It. He brain effed the guy. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, it's similar to that scene in uh, in Glen Gary, Glen Ross, when um, uh, what's his name gets that couple to buy the land in Florida. Yes, and then they come back in and uh, they're like, "Yeah, we can't really do it." Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. but he gets the gets them to sign, gets them to, to do it, convinces and, and, them and, they need and, to. And the, that suspect
1: uh, Lane actually says to goes, "I'm sorry." Yeah, it's like not only did he do it sorry he did it and cries yeah yeah so intense
0: what, what an and intense what's one him. of the
1: first things that Frank says when he gets out of the box he goes I did it for you G yeah. and you can see right away G is like not happy yeah you would think for a second he might be G what, gets
0: it what is like an emotionally complex thing to have in a show where, like, like again, we we are all sure this guy did not do it, uh, but Pendleton convinces him to take the the blame for it because he says like it was the lifestyle that he like threw CC into was responsible you put for the break. bullet out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah say it you didn't did make it. any like real sense. No, no. But he he like he just again places that emotional weight and the moral weight on it, and then so he he gets the confession, but then it's such a sad affair when he goes back and hands it to G because like I like you feel dirty for G you know what I mean like the blood is now on all of our hands just did did you at any point think that the guy might have done it
1: no. right no no okay no I
0: think uh, like I think it's the way the story was told in the previous episode and in this one that it's like Pretty much undeniably. It's a cop. You know, like we haven't talked about any other suspects or anything yeah. like that. I think for them to introduce a character this far along in the, the game to be like, oh, this is the killer mm-hmm. would feel really cheap in a way that I don't think Homicide ever plays cheap, you know? But um, that that scene was just
1: extremely powerful. Yeah. And it really showed what an amazing actor Andre Brower is and was yeah. I mean you couldn't get more
0: intense you yeah. couldn't yeah I mean his head would explode <laughs> yeah yeah so that was uh, man just a gut-wrenching really brutal brutal scene um, and so he gets the confession We he goes to the board erases the name changes it from very symbolically yep and then I guess it's uh,
1: The next scene, isn't it where he's in his office and he... Yeah, G's just sitting there and
0: (laughs) stewing about it and (laughs) and flings everything off of his desk.
1: And what does he do? He goes back to the board and he changes it from black black,
0: back to red. Yeah. Um, And then goes down to the, I guess, wherever they're holding this guy. And he says, he, he pulls out the... He's like, I have the confession that you signed right here rips it up and says you know well, who did it and Lane Staley immediately is just like I told he told me not what, what do you see he's like uh, if, if I tell he'll know or whatever right he's gonna
1: know who I am he's worried about retaliation yeah but he says it's a cop and he says what's happened although he never says who Yeah, we don't get any closer and I don't think we ever do to find out who did it, but really, I don't think I don't know. Wow, based on what? Well, he didn't say any. he didn't give a name, did he?
0: Well, I mean, they cut before he might have. Okay, because the next scene after that, they go and arrest.
1: I know in real life it was based on a real life shooting. They never found really cop.
0: Mm. I could be wrong. I don't know. Well, did, did do they not find the cop because the cops closed the, any it holes might be or whatever? close ranks? Yeah, I don't right. know. Um yeah, so in this one, I mean they, they think they have their man. Um yeah, and he uh they go and, and arrest this guy, uh, who was Jimmy who had the affair with Kay, who was a, was at the bar buying right, drinks for them. Right. Right. And um similar to Kay's story where she said he wanted to look at me when he was when he was lying to his wife and kids when he was on the phone with them. Uh, he has to go say goodbye to his kids one last time. Right. Before. And he asks Bayless not to put the... And So what are they... Are they basing it on
1: because Lane, after the camera stopped, did say his name? Or...
0: I kind of thought... Okay. That's what I That's what I thought. Okay.
1: Um, I, I, I was definitely confused. I'm like, he never said his name. Yeah. And yet, wait a second. They're arresting him. In real life, they never find out I know it's not real life, but it's like, how did they come to him? It doesn't matter.
0: Well, and at that point, I mean, I guess you could say they have a pretty convincing... Because Kay uh, brings up, when they're in the parking garage together, in that really awesome shot where it's over Jimmy's shoulder, they're both driving cars, and you see Kay talking to Uh him, and Kay is also in his rearview mirror, reflecting off of hmm. her rearview mirror. I didn't catch it was, that. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a really cool shot. I, at first I was looking at it, I was like, wait, what? How is her face uh-huh. on there twice? Um, but in that scene, uh, she tips him off and says, you didn't, you didn't do, do so well on True. Her, That's true. I forgot that part. So the right. lie detector test showed that he was nervous or whatever. True.
1: Um, and, and they do have the evidence of the shells, and as Frank says, hey, if we can match up the shell, now, they don't have the gun, but we'll see if they follow up. Do they get an indictment? I don't know. Yeah,
0: right. Um, but yeah, so he's he, he's getting in. Jimmy's getting in one last lie to his kids uh, before he uh, gets arrested and gets pushed uh, through the press. There's all the people taking pictures of him. A chaotic scene out in front of the precinct because they have found a killer and uh, it is a cop. And we'll
1: talk a little bit more about that when we talk about... The uh, Yeah, so well, let's get
0: into that. Uh, Munch, well, you got to
1: talk about Munch. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> starts off where we left off with Munch talking about Felicia. He's uh, t- so into this girlfriend of his that again, I'm not entirely sure. I guess this episode goes a little bit further than the last one in like if if Felicia isn't real, then like he's kind of got a problem, right? Like I, I
1: say, she's real. Yeah, she's
0: probably very believable. But it's always this point. he's always at this tremendous high.
1: Or low with her. There's no
0: in-between. Yeah. It sounds like uh, exactly the type of relationship you would expect Munch to be in. Right. Um, Where it's just, yeah, this unending, uh, you know, total mania. Uh, So it starts out uh, that they're in love, and he's like, (laughs) they're on the scene of a crime. And he's like, congratulate, he's asking Bolander to congratulate him for being so in love with Felicia. And they find a fish. At this scene. And and again, he rips on (laughs) Bolander
1: just for not feeling his happiness, just for being Stan. It's like he can't handle the fact that he's not happy for him. Yeah. It's typical Munch. Yeah. I'm happy, you better be happy. I'm miserable, you better be miserable.
0: Yeah. There's something so fun about their relationship that they are partners and like we've seen them work well with each other uh but they they it, it, like it's not even that they I can't even say that they hate each other or that they love each other sort of like this Felicia thing like there are times where they're totally just vicious to each other uh and then there are other times where he like when he was at the bar uh last episode and uh Munches like <laughs> was he like singing to Bolander or something like that <laughs> yeah. like he like they're, they're weird. They're so weird. Their relationship is so strange.
1: And, 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 and the fish in the bag was just the whole strange...
0: <laughs> yeah. That so, was a
1: funny sideline.
0: Uh, great Bolander line in that first scene with them. Live stupid, die young. Um, love that. And, and this again, this storyline has nothing to do with the murder. This is totally their personalities on display. Yes. And then this like weird story of the fish <laughs> that we get... Um, Later in the... So uh, Munch goes to process the fish as evidence. Which is absurd. (laughs) What's the guy supposed to do with it? Yeah, right. What kind of evidence could it possibly be? When would it ever be called upon? Um,
1: And and then let's just jump a little bit ahead. Yeah. The stupidity of him putting it in the tank with these other thousands (laughs) of dollars worth of fish without knowing what it is, I mean, come on. And
0: he sets it up there. He's like, Felicia knows everything about fish. Right, you figured he's going to ask her. (laughs) She's going to tell him, oh, it's a Jack Dempsey. Yeah.
1: (laughs) By the way, go back. So before then, on Bolander, because their stories are tied in, Mm. he is just so lonely. He just goes around asking everybody, will you go out to dinner with me? Um, Everyone says No. The funniest scene is when he's asked everybody yeah. and that one gal's on the phone. Yeah. He catches her eye and when her not getting off the phone tells him, no, that was funny.
0: Yeah, she knows it's coming. She, he's right. probably done this before. But yeah. you really feel bad for him. It's like he's so He is such a sad lonely. sack character. Yeah. It, like everything. Everything so far in this show. Yeah, he's always kind of like... like um he's always complaining about his marriage and then he's always like falling in love with someone. He flirts more than anyone. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, he goes to this like little rinky-dink diner where we get the he's, sense that everyone's super busy. Right, he's in
1: a bad mood because he hasn't been... Served, but that is quickly turned around by Julianne Margulis yeah. in a starring role as his waitress. And as soon... As she pours the coffee, he's toast. Yeah, <laughs> no pun intended, but he is like putty in her hands.
0: Yeah, and she's kind of like flirty back. Right, she's Susan. great. They, uh, and I would what I would say is maybe like a little bit different from this character. I don't get the sense that either one of them is like head over heels for the other. Um, you know, it seems like they. It seems like at that moment, what he was looking for was just someone to talk to. And he found that. I agree. I don't.
1: I didn't see it as a romantic or sexual thing. It
0: was just like, yeah, just what you said. I agree. Yeah, um, and so in that, a lot of information is exchanged. Like we find out that he played. Uh, Bolander plays the cello, which we never know. Yeah, which doesn't doesn't jive with his character at all. Maybe but I don't know enough like cello said, players. <laughs> like he said,
1: when he says you know he says to her you're a waitress that plays the violin that's odd and she goes well you're a detective that plays the cello isn't that odd and they both say well not really because right. you don't know everything about us yeah keeps it under his bed
0: yeah um yeah i definitely get the sense that if bolander does play the cello he's probably not playing it very much these days no. um but uh they they hit it off and she offers to play together to have him come and join her at one of her practices Um, and and what's so
1: funny is that um, so Munch going back to Munch so now the deed is done the fish (laughs) killed all the other fish and now he's lonely he wants to go out and Stan actually has a Commitment, yeah, and and Munch can't
0: handle that either. Do you think Munch has any idea that he plays cello? No, none. At no, all. yeah, of course, and uh, he doesn't
1: offer it up either. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's just like, nope, can't can't do it, and uh, he goes off to the Peabody Institute, and there's this uh, really great montage. I guess we were talking about that. We mentioned it a little bit before, where it's Bolander sitting down, and he's gonna play the cello with this waitress as she plays the violin to this Handel piece and uh, as they start playing uh, it cuts to the arrest of this officer Jimmy and that's uh, the scene in which G goes over and changes the the Cox's back, name back to Black yeah um, and then there's this really cool like uh, zoom out shot that it displays just the entire office with all the characters that we know and they're just kind of doing their thing I thought that was extremely emotional.
1: I almost cried. Yeah. I don't know why. It yeah. was like, this is so powerful, Yeah, this music. And just what's going on in kind of in real life. People are being arrested for murder. And then the mundane of them just being in the office, all the people we know. It... it, it I thought that was one of the best scenes I had ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was just
0: And and it comes awesome. Of, it comes out of nowhere. Because like uh you know, you feel like your emotional like um the the big emotional part of this episode is done with when you when right. Frank's in the right. the box. And this is really just music set to people just kind of milling around. And yeah, it's so profound, it kind of like feeds into this like it's just you know, how much did any of this mean in the grand scheme of things? Like, the you know, life is still going on, as usual. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, maybe even more, like, that's... The, these types of strange stories are the things that define this place. You know, that that is what is normal. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was just... Super profound. Like,
1: if I had to show the people give out Emmys as one scene... Of two minutes of my entire season, I might show them that. Even though they wouldn't get it. Right. You just be like, this is what this show is about. It's like it'll take you to a place, like you said, you had no idea. You you thought you were done. Right. It was over. And what are they gonna show you? They arrested the guy. Frank had his big scene, and it's like Where did this come from? It was... I thought it was awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and a really nice way to kind of like tie up all the loose ends of these stories Uh, We're having the music from uh, Bolander's story kind of play out at the end of Frank's story in this episode. Um, Yeah, super powerful. And it was good to see Bolander be happy.
1: The waitress is happy. Um, And at the end of the day, you got to figure that now G is happy. They do have a suspect. Frank's happy because they didn't put the wrong guy in prison. I mean, things... For a homicide episode, things turned out pretty well.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Um, But yeah, that was very powerful. Yeah. Very powerful.
0: Yeah. Uh, a really great piece of writing... I guess it counts as a joke. I'd call it a joke. Was earlier, when he when they were first talking about the song that he liked to play... Which is the song,
1: song they played, it was Handel's Passa, pa- Passacaglia.
0: Passacaglia. That's the song they do play. Um, uh, when he mentioned that he liked to play, he was like, "There's one passage he could never get right." So in that montage, as they're playing, they cut back to Bolander and the waitress playing the cello and the violin, and he just like hits an off note, uh-huh, right. and they both like pause. Look at each other, and then go on to the next part. And that obviously was the part. Yeah, right. But without having to like say like just skip on or whatever, they just know they're in lockstep right. on to the next thing, and pick it up right where they left off. I thought that was really funny. Sweet writing. Um, that's that's really it. I don't think there's anything. I I, I would just say I
1: thought that was a very powerful, good episode. Like you said, the kind of episode where you say. This is why I think it's one of the greatest shows of all time. This is why I think these actors are some of the greatest actors. It really personified all that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think... um, I wonder, too... Like, this is really two storylines. One serious one, one kind of fun one. uh, And they come together... Like, Do you think, is there a case to be made that maybe they don't need as many characters as they have on this show?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's always a case for that. And we'll see how things progress. Yeah. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, we what we talked about so much in the beginning of the episode, and I don't mean to repeat ourselves too much, but I think it's it's worth repeating that, you know, this is uh, like your definition of Frank Pendleton this is your definition of John Munch. This is your definition of Bolander. Agree, yes. And and I think in a way, especially towards the end, G, uh, you know that Giardello has, he is, uh, as we see the character kind of grow and develop, he is such a cop. You know, like that's not something that he can turn on or turn off.
1: Yeah, you're right.
0: You know, the, the job is him. And I think even though there's, there's I have some questions about what it was that was making him uh, stand against Pendleton when it's like so obvious to us? Like if Pembleton says it's raining and it's sunny out, like I'll believe it's raining, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I think that that character and he's he's willing to do the right thing when it's the ti- when it's time to do that, and you know he's the character that changes in the episode.
1: You're right. I would say those four characters. They really wrote well and defined in this episode they were true K not so much yeah but the everyone else yeah so Joe, how can people well first of all who uh, who was the hero or the or the star pretty easy yeah. I think yeah
0: Frank wins right Frank wins this one I agree he was right he he is uh, finds um absolute uh, correct. He's he's the one who's defined the winner at the end, for sure. Who do you think was the loser? <sighs> uh, I'm gonna say Detective John Munch.
1: I agree. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't say it, I was gonna because I mean, he's just an ass. Yeah,
0: he's uh, he's in the doghouse now with Felicia, and all of her fish got eaten, and she's keeping it, too. <laughs> yeah, she's keeping it to remind her how much she loathes loathes him yeah uh, yeah that sounds exactly like the person John Munch would fall in love with so Joe, people want to comment
1: or email us or contact us. How do they do that? So
0: email us at from red to black pod at gmail.com uh red to black pod on, on uh, Twitter um, and leave us reviews on iTunes. Uh, it does help us appear in rankings and things like that. Yeah, you
1: need a certain amount of rankings of reviews to even get ranking we don't have enough yet yeah so if you if you have listened and like it please go in there give us a rating make a comment believe me we love to read your emails we will get back to you eventually and because uh, you know we we share your enthusiasm
0: yeah yeah we uh, the emails that we've gotten from people so far have been so fun it's yeah. fun to talk to people to connect with them about this show and um Yeah, so drop us a line. Let us know that you're out there listening. And um, I guess... That's another episode, Joe. That went from red to black. Bye.